Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening. However you're listening, this is Quantum of History. I'm your host, Donnie Waldron. Welcome to another episode. Today is going to be a spoiler review of Anthony Horowitz's With a Mind to Kill. Again, this is a spoiler review. We're going to talk in depth about every plot point, the ending. So if you haven't read it or you want to save it, uh, shut it off and come back later. This was a really fun time. I had a really enjoyable time going with uh, Kyle Barbo from Easy Smiles Expensive Watches. He's on a, a million different things, and he's always such a great guest, and he's such a good friend, and I, I love his insights, his knowledge, his uh, intelligent thoughts on the books. So he's always so much fun to do, to talk with, and I love his perspective on the novels especially. I think he does a lot of the the style. He does a lot of the beer stuff, all that. I think his best forte, and what I love putting bring him on this podcast for, is for his knowledge of the Fleming novels. I just love him because I, I feel like I, more and more as time goes on, I'm appreciating the novels more and I'm getting more reads and I'm getting more enjoyment out of them. And, you know, the audiobooks have been in my car now. I, I drive a bunch now, so they're always on. So I just, in this in these continuation novels, and if you haven't gotten into them or if this is your first one, I highly suggest you get into them because they're actually, some of them are very good. Some of them are... You know, there's going to be some complaints I have with this book specifically uh, that I have with other ones in the in the continuation novels. But overall, if you you know you need a bond fix and the movies are just you've seen them all a bunch of times and you want a little break, go to the novels. I'm telling you, they're a great escape. They're a great time. And this one was, um, you know, we waited for a long time for this, and we're probably going to have to wait another long time for another continuation novel. But I'm excited about this one. I'm excited to talk about this. So without further ado, Kyle Barbo, Easy Smiles, Expensive Washes, reviewing with me, Anthony Horowitz's With a Mind to Kill. All right, welcome in Kyle Barbo, Easy Smiles, Expensive Watches. You know him, you love him. One of the sluttiest Bond people we know. He's on everything. He's always somebody's go-to guest. And you know he's one of my favorite ones, especially when it comes to the books. I just had a, did an episode with uh, Jay Sadowski, and I said, told him, I said, of all the Bond people I've met, it's between you, Kyle, and Jay as the two biggest Bond fans I think that I know. Um, so it, I'm excited to have you on, and we're going to be talking today about Anthony Horowitz's With a Mind to a Kill. So I'm very excited. Welcome back on, Kyle. Thanks for having me back. This is uh, really exciting because I had a really good time reading this book and I've been dying to talk about it with anybody. So uh, <laughs> it might as well be you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't, I'll, I'll be your silver medal any day, buddy. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm excited too, because it is, it's, it's, you know, we're into this bond fandom and if you're reading the, uh, the, continuation novels your sickness is pretty bad right i mean you oh yeah without a doubt this is when you really when when you really pull out your bond card is when you've read not only all the fleming novels but also all of the continuation novels too yeah that is that's definitely so i've read all the bensons and i've read the three horses and i haven't i've heard the from a couple of people the grishams are pretty not great the gardeners Um, you mean yeah they're they're a mixed they're a mixed bag the bensons i really like a lot Mm. Um, and there was a one-off that came out uh, about like 15 years ago called Carte Blanche, which mm. it's set in the present day. It's written by Jeffrey Deaver from, um, uh, what is that movie with Denzel? The Bone Collector or something like mm. that. Yeah. Um, he wrote that, but he wrote this Carte Blanche novel 
that's set in the present day that has Bond, an Afghan war vet. That's one that I would recommend to check out because I think that's kind of the direction Bond 26 could take. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about with a mind to kill. <laughs> well, that's a great suggestion, though, because I will, because I, I really enjoyed the Bensons, too. I've really yeah. enjoyed all the Horowitzes. Um, Me, so too. I will and I, I'm a big Benson guy because mm -hmm. I, I like the Bensons. They almost read like unmade pierce brosnan movies mm. uh when you read those books it, it's basically just like oh yeah i could see brosnan in this movie i could see brosnan in this movie so for the longest time he was my favorite continuation author but now i might have to go with horowitz because horowitz really captures that fleming character yeah i agree i, I really enjoyed the benson so i didn't even know that when I, when I was younger i used to read the splinter cell novels and I read the Metal Gear Solid uh, film adaptation of the video game. And I didn't know that Raymond Benson, because he was a ghostwriter, so David Fincher is what he went by. But he actually mm. wrote, uh, I think, one or two of those, too. So I've been reading Benson for a while, and I didn't even know. So That's pretty um, cool. So I'm excited. to. I and he's, excited. A, he's a nice guy. You and I have both gotten to know him um, a little bit through, uh, through some of the live streams that we've done or the, the live events that we did back mm -hmm. during COVID. So uh, he, he's actually a really good good man. Yep, yep, and some, and it, I think he's got six books. They're all fantastic. And yep. then Anthony Horst has taken the mantle, and I thought he's really done some great things. So we're going to start with what this movie or what this uh, novel actually was about. We're going to talk a little bit about this novel. Then we're going to talk about how it compares to the other two that he's done. And finally, we're going to talk about whether this could be into a film or not. So we're going to start with the movie, the film or the novel i did i'm gonna mess this up all the time <laughs> this this thing this, this thing this thing right here it's got pages and stuff i don't know right. it's 2022 you rarely see these things when, and when you open it for the first time it might crack it's not even it's not even touch screen like what is this <laughs> uh no but this this novel this opens up with m's funeral how do you like how it opens up and how it takes up the mantle from um the man with the golden gun one of the things that, that i think this book does really well is it fixes a lot of the problems with the man with the golden gun the man with the golden gun uh most people know that fleming died after he turned in his first draft but before he was able to make any revisions some people say that a ghostwriter completed it some people say that it's just fleming's first draft um but there's a lot there are a lot of gaps narrative gaps in the man with the golden gun what happens to james bond between the assassination attempt on m and bond being sent off after scaramanga there's like a month of time that we know nothing about this book fills us in on that so um i really appreciate how horowitz kind of makes the man with the golden gun better because it fills in a lot of the storyline gaps that that novel had yeah the novel very much asks you to go from all right he shoots him all right he's fixed bonds back to normal right and it asks you to make that yeah that quantum and, and, leap and that's and, a that's a huge yeah. gap i mean yeah. you would think somebody who's been subjected to all that mental torture would have some sort of ptsd he'd carry something with him yeah. on that mission and it isn't mentioned at all um the remnants of that that mental anguish that bond went through are in this horowitz novel yeah i like how they describe it as mind raping yeah um, th that's really what it is yeah really they, they have deference for what the what that program was for trying to 
break down people using narcotics, methamphetamines, any kind of drugs. They go on even to touch about the CIA and their LSD use and mm-hmm. how rudimentary it is compared to what we're trying to do. Uh, so I like how they, they touch on all that thing and they do, they don't downplay what he went through. It must have been tortured to have amnesia to get captured, then further tortured, then brainwashed, and then programmed. And they talk a little bit about that. But they open up with the with the M's funeral. And I and I and I think it's kind of I think as I read this and they say um it's M's funeral and that, I already in my in my mind I'm like, there's no way M's dead. And it's definitely another a fake thing. They they try to get it there, but it's almost like I understand that I'm going to write this, but the whole audience is going to know that this is some, there's some kind of left turn that's about to take. Did you kind of get that feeling as you read? There's no way M's actually dead. I think I read it. I picked up on that when I read the book jacket. I'm like, there's no way, (laughs) there's no way that M is really dead. This is a, this is a bait and switch somehow um, to get James Bond into deep cover. There's no way that, that James Bond killed M. M faked his death. That yeah. right off the the summary of the story, I knew that was going to be the case. And I was really hoping that actually that was the case when I first heard the the subject matter, and they talk about how James Bond killed M. I was like, I hope you know. But after No Time to Die, what they did to me there, it's I true. Was like, I was like, I, I you know what, I'm ready to be hurt. <laughs> yeah. That's true. What let, let's kill everybody. You know, we'll kill kill ET, kill, you know, Indiana Jones, kill all of our heroes. That's it. Wipe all, them all out. Throw them out. <laughs> throw them out. Um so I was I was pleasantly surprised and in the minute I got to starting to read it without even getting the revelation, it was clear. I think oh okay, this is this is definitely what it is. When they say that James Bond killed him and all, I knew what, what we're gonna get. So I like how they introduced it, but I like how they did it so that it wasn't so much you're gonna have to believe this, you're gonna have to believe this. It's like no, you, the the audience is in on it as we go, and we're gonna get to that. So I really liked how they pulled it off. I like how Horowitz wrote that in. Um, I thought that was cool. And so we get back to the revelation, and then. It talks about how James Bond has gone in there and like you said, the, the things he's gone through and how he got deprogrammed and all that. What did you think about the, the character CC? He comes in and he comes in and he's like, I, I almost like this character a lot when he's like, look, he's went through a lot of crap. I don't even know why you're doing this. He's going to fail. Uh, did you like that whole the introduction and, and kind of the juxtaposition between M's belief and CC's reality of this, is, this dude's been messed up? Yeah, he reminded me of a lot of professors that I knew when I was in college because he, he he comes in and he's got the wild hair and yeah. he's got the the jacket with the elbow patches and everything. Smells and it, like patchouli oil. Exactly. And it, and he's the kind of guy you do need that contrary voice because you know M is always going to have James Bond's back. Tanner is always going to have Bond's back. M probably even more so than Tanner. Um, but the two of them certainly have faith in in bond so you need somebody to be that contrary opinion like okay he's been through this mental anguish and again it's something that's glossed over so quickly in the man with the golden gun that you kind of need to be reminded about what he's been through both mentally and physically so i kind of like having that character to contrast what m and tanner feel yeah, and I do like that. You know, we got Ralph Fiennes' M adaptation now, 
and a little bit of Judy Dench. I think surely with Pharrell Fiennes, he's very sniveling to me. He's very mm-hmm. um, not yeah. on Bond's side, which is very much different than um, the original film and most of the novels that this is James Bond is M's, M's guy. Like he's, he's my guy. Yeah. He's been, proven- that, that's one of my big complaints about um, the last handful of Craig films that I mean, there, there should have been no question that Bond had the UK's best interests in mind and, and yeah. should have had full faith in, in Bond and that the, the Bond M relationship in, Spectre and No Time to Die. That's a that's another podcast in and of itself. Yeah, I could really, it really go off on that. <laughs> it was really disappointing to me too because I do like the idea of a solid solidarity of a, a finite. We're going to build a task. We're going to, we're going to task together. We're going to war. We're brothers in arms. I Especially the that. way they they leave off in Skyfall with, okay, there's a mutual yeah. respect now. We we've got one another. I respect you because you're a veteran mm-hmm. and. Um, you respect me because I'm your best agent. Yeah. And then that disappears. But again, yeah. that's getting way off, way yeah. off onto a, a Craig tangent that I'd be happy to discuss with you. But. <laughs> and we'll save it for another time. But I, I do like how that dynamic got brought back in Horowitz. And I think Horowitz is very, gives a lot of deference to Fleming. And I think that he's very true to a lot of him. And, and I like it. And I like how it almost pains. So he gets transferred, right? And it's almost set up that Bond's getting transferred from his, from the asylum to transfer, but they make a show of it and they want the Russians to know what's happening so that they can anticipate that he's about to get saved from them. And the police are there like traitor Bond. And he, he just has to take the arrows, which again shows the character of Bond and the willingness to be a martyr in that, in that situation where it is hard for your colleagues, I'm sure, to hear that knowing that you're trying to do something very heroic and you're putting in all that but you have to hit, take the arrows regardless what do you think about the whole scene from the transfer to the russians to the shooting all that stuff how do you like how that scene plays out it's probably my favorite part of the whole book um it reminded me a lot of the the sanchez breakout in license to kill or mm-hmm. some of the the setup that they do in um i, f- I forget which mission impossible film it I think it was the most recent one where they uh they break solomon lane out of prison Swat did the same thing yeah exactly yeah. it was kind of like that um but that that was like the big action scene in the film and i really appreciate and you as a history guy would probably enjoy it too how they kind of allude that the ira is in league with yeah. the kgb i thought that was a really good um storyline I mean, it, it's a very small story nugget, but it's one that makes sense from a historical um, mm. sense. And it's and the IRA. Kind of, the IRA taught the world from that how to be terrorists and how to do this thing. So it's very cool. Yeah, to have and it, that. it's it's unexplored territory yeah. um, in the world of Bond, and I'm glad that that Horowitz was able to to kind of i mean it's it's a small plot point but it's it is a plot point nonetheless that the ira is working in cahoots with the kgb and it makes sense i mean that that yeah. that did it's a great actually point. happen you know so what's I, funny, I, funny I they, they don't even you don't ever even hear you know i don't think that media or or entertainment has even gone over the fact of, about the ira and what that whole dynamic was probably maybe in, maybe in the uk there's more explored sure certainly worldwide i don't feel that there's been any movies or any kind of media where they show the ira as being these the villains or anything like that or the there, there's 
one or two that I can think of. Patriot Games is probably the, yeah. the most famous example, or The Devil's Own, both of them starring Harrison Ford. Um, apart from that, you're right. There, yeah. There's not a lot of material there. And I think there's a great unwritten James Bond novel um, yeah. where he goes up against the IRA. And they, they kind of set the groundwork for that in this. So that was pretty cool. I also yeah. liked seeing... Uh, Bond's own people think that he's a traitor and they, they Horowitz drops that um, that goes away after this scene and I feel like they could have done even a little bit more where mm. he encounters a British agent who thinks like there's our most wanted man uh, he I'm gonna try and be a hero and bring him in because he killed the head of British intelligence yeah he doesn't do that um, that that part of the story kind of wraps up once he's exfiltrated out of the uk but it is kind of cool to see bond's own people look against him and i yeah. i really appreciate and why it's my favorite part of the of the book bond kind of has to play 3d chess here he yeah. needs to it's a good way to point to, to say it exactly he needs to convince the british that he's defected he needs to convince the Russians that he's killed two British police officers, and he has to figure out a way to escape without killing the two British police officers because he's James Bond. He's not a traitor. He's not going to do that. So he, he needs to, to find a way to convince everyone uh, of this ruse, and he does, and he does it in a convincing way, which, is, I mean, that's James Bond. That's his yeah. intellect. That's, uh, that's why he's the best. Yeah, I think that was an interesting thing where you had to kind of come up with a story like this once you get caught. And then he kind of says it a little bit and then he keeps going and then he comes up with a good story later and to an interrogation and all that. I also thought it was cool even before he got sent off in the thing where they're talking about these are the things that you need to learn. We're going to teach you how to mentally prepare for what you're going to go into. Here, mm -hmm. are, the tenant, here are the tenants. Here are the, all the things you have to go remind yourself. You're an agent, you know, all this, this, you're that. And that will always keep you home. And I, and I thought that was really cool. I think it really set the stage. And I do enjoy all that part of the thing. And then he gets to Moscow and he's back in the same room and he meets Colonel, Colonel Boris, his, his tormentor from years ago. What did you think about the dynamic the minute he's, he's back in Moscow and the transition? Because I don't think, I don't think Horowitz does a, a much of a transition. It's pretty much he's saved and boom, we're in Moscow. Yeah, it's it's very um, it's very quick, um, and I, I don't. One of the things about this book that is unlike a lot of the Flemings is the settings are very bleak. Mm -hmm. um, you're behind the Iron Curtain, very ugly architecture. Uh, the people are oppressed. the The government is is this um, this heartless dictatorship. So you don't have a lot of the romance that you have in the locations uh, in the Fleming books. Um, but, but putting bond behind the iron curtain is a really cool thing that I, I feel like it's about time that he had to go and see this place that he has spent his whole career working against. Yeah. So it's, I, it's I, neat to see him behind enemy lines. So I liked that. Horowitz, even though it wasn't glamorous, he spent the time like Fleming would being very descriptive about the fact that it was bleak. And I, and I had read where Horowitz Completely. talked with a lot of people who were actually in the Soviet Union at the time to kind of get a good feel of what it was yep. like, 
or operatives who had worked there, he he talked to a lot of people what the feel was, what the architecture was. He talks about the color of the of the of the rooms. He talks about at nine o'clock people this death it's death town because there's nothing to do because it's just a, a desolate place. Um, so mm-hmm. I do appreciate he's descriptive like Fleming, even though it's not a, a, a beautiful setting. It's not glamorous, like but it, yeah, it's, it's still glamorous. evocative. You can you exactly. can visualize it in your head without yeah. a doubt. And, I, and it, it, it helps to illustrate, and one thing I really appreciate in this novel, there's no um, moral gray area. James mm-hmm. Bond is the good guy. The Soviets are the bad guys. I mean, the, the, the West is heroic and free, and, and the, the Soviet bloc behind the Iron Curtain, um, both the Soviet Union and East Germany are oppressive. Uh, their people are suffering under this military dictatorship. So there, there's no, um, there's no moral equivalence between the two. We know who yeah. the good guys are and who the bad guys are. There's no self-loathing. There's no cuckoldery, as, as I as I call it, has kind of become the 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 enjoyment of the day to be self-loathing or self-hating or self-despairing. Right. Very much. There's a reason why we're. The, the top why the west is so much far as far as economics and standard of living and all this there's a reason because yep. they were and there's a reason why people were risking their lives to jump from that wall east berlin and i, I did an episode two on on that a long time ago in the podcast and i uh, just researching what people went through to try to get over that wall and to get those little that little bit of time to get back into the west it was the most glaring example of how the difference between communism and capitalism was and this was this is this is not trying to be what these the last crags were with a kind of hey do we hate bond do we hate what the west is no 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 we know who the good guys are we know who the bad guys are and and bond is is doing a heroic deed which should be um exemplified so i do i love your point there yeah i i appreciate that very much i mean bond is the good guy the the english way of life is free um, you know, free expression, uh, a free market. He even the, goes in. The Soviet way of life is bleak and yeah. oppressive and dangerous. And he, he he does he gives the Soviets the credit for going to the space, but he's like, "That's all you did, right? <laughs> That's all right, you did. right, right." This right. is this is this is all the things that Great Britain or the and, UK and at what cost? At, yeah. at, at what cost? You know, I mean, at the yeah. cost of your soul, at the cost of your your people. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so I, I, I really I really think that. that I appreciate that as a Cold War novel um, that they they take a stand. Uh, You know, the the English way of life is is freedom and the Soviet way of life is uh, tyranny. Yeah, they definitely go into a lot of Stalinists and and I do appreciate a lot of stuff. And I think that Colonel Boris is an interesting character in how he's very much of the Soviet, the way that it's portrayed. But he's also a scientist who thinks of himself and his own work uh, almost above that do you kind of get that feeling that he thinks that his science he's very much loyal to the soviet he thinks that his way is going to bring greatness to the soviet but he also thinks that he is so smarter than everybody else in the room do you get that feeling when you when you hear how how horowitz describes boris completely um especially in the in one of his earliest scenes when he's talking about i even control somebody in this room i mean he's so (laughs) he's so self-assured um he believes that his methods are stronger even than the yeah. Soviet apparatus for which he works. 
Mm, yeah. So we get introduced to, to Katya, right? What do you think about Katya as a character? Because she's clearly the Bond girl of the novel, and mm-hmm. you know her arc. The minute you see, the minute she's introduced, you know that, that you know exactly where the story's going to go. And it, yes, it can be um, almost template sort of feeling as you get it because you she's introduced, you know exactly what's going to happen. Bond's going to seduce her and all that. But do you almost you don't you almost enjoy when the template plays out exactly how you enjoy it playing out? Yes, I do. I think Katya is is a victim of of what i'll call the magic dick of james bond uh, <laughs> where once she sleeps with bond she immediately yeah. turns to the to the good guys uh, and i think that happens a little quickly yeah. um for somebody who grew up in the soviet union and has been indoctrinated with all this propaganda her whole life um her, her decision to defect comes a little quickly but it's authentic based on her backstory with her lover and her father. Um, and let's face it, we want James Bond to seduce the girl yeah. and, and turn her to the, to the good guy's cause. See, so I, I do appreciate it. I just think it happens a little quickly, maybe a, a chapter later, and I would have bought it a little bit more. See, I like how, see, I'll disagree with you on this, on this because I think that her arc and her quandary of do I stay loyal to the Soviet Union happened with that first lover, mm. right? So she had this whole thing and her whole propaganda and all the things that she had dealt with her father and all that. She had that inner tor- turmoil before Bond was ever introduced with her former lover. She was in love with this guy. She had all this stuff. And then to find out that he's a traitor, finds out that that's the type of person that she's in love with. And eventually, even though she tells her father and not the authorities, she knew that she was putting him to his death sentence by telling the father so she lost her first love from this 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 sense of duty to country right and mm. she goes to that whole arc and then she hates her father for it and she already has the seed and she already has been had her task right and she went with the state and then the state betrayed her and they ruined her life at the point i think that she, her hate was not that was right below the surface ready to bubble over and James Bond comes in, he's a, he's a senator of the West. He's now, she probably doesn't get a chance to meet anybody else from the West, right? I mean, she's working in mm-hmm. Colonel Boris's, her father's office. She's surrounded by, you know, people who are patriots. And they go into great detail about you can't even whisper anti-Stalin anything, right? You can't even whisper anti-government for fear of the police to come in. So mm-hmm. these, this, she probably hasn't had, had, had any introduction to the West since that time that she turned into her, her thing. And this is her first time. So I think that the minute James Bond is there, it may also be the magic dick of James Bond, as you so say it. But I think that the seed was already planted. I think that in her own mind, she'd already worked at the part that she was, she hated what she was there for. And then James Bond comes in and all those feelings can come out now. And they, they do kind of set up that she enjoys, I think it's the shadows. She enjoys listening to um, 60s rock and roll. Yeah, and and is a little afraid that somebody might find out that she enjoys like Western music. But there, there is. You're right. There is a kernel there in her mind of the 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 life of freedom might be better. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So we get to the story, and the story kind of goes through kind of how you are. Like it goes through. Bond meets her. They're at the bar. They get drunk. They have sex. He gets on the side. And then he finds out the father and they go through this whole story arc. And then she ends up 
so the I'm gonna Desernoia Desernoia is the is the old woman, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce the, it, but the concierge. The concierge, yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. I can, I have some <laughs> French. I, I have no Russian. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the uh, you know you see it in the Born Identity. There was a person like that. You see it in yes. uh, yep. Quantum of Solace. Same thing. The person in Haiti comes down with the bullet in the head. Yep. Um, same that person, right? That old lady who's always. I know there. exactly who you mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so she ends up playing a big part, and she comes in. And what did you think about that? part where it goes through it is and then the how garfunkel gets introduced right and that's the one thing that before bond left he said all right well what about the people from scaramanga because they had gone back to the ku what if this happens They're like no no no, no never gonna happen and then it's kind of like she just takes a lot of convenient leaps so how how garfunkel comes over he sleeps with underage women you already hate him for that what do you think about that whole story arc when it kind of goes into here's one more obstacle james bond has to deal with it's so funny because in the first couple of chapters reading this book that was one of my thoughts like yeah. well, what about that that soviet guy hendrix who was embedded with scaramanga surely he would have reported back to his superiors and they horowitz writes himself out of that he kind of says uh, there's so much confusion and and nobody trusts anybody within the KGB and and Bond killed him, um, so that probably didn't get reported. And then he brings back in that that Hal Garfunkel character. That's another scene where you're on the edge of your seat and you just yeah. can't wait to turn the pages because you you realize like okay Bond, how's he gonna get out of this one? Yeah, he's really in a bind because somebody might recognize him. And if so, the jig is up. So what's he going to do? If he kills the guy, then he blows his cover. Um, If the guy identifies him, his cover is blown. So that was actually a really, I didn't know how they were going to get out of it. And that was a creative way that didn't feel forced or contrived that they got out of it in a creative, lucky, I mean, a lot of it's down to dumb luck, um, but a creative way and it made it really satisfying to read yeah i agree i didn't know how they were gonna get out of that either they in horror was did a good job of setting it up that hey he opens the door he's saw him a bunch of time he was close with him there's no way he doesn't recognize him the minute the door it is that's bond two kgb u- u- units right there shoot him dead it's over, yep. it's over with so you knew that and like the way they go back and forth between him opening the door and then it goes back and he opens the door and uh, then you find out it's actually this, the, the, the substitute that this Russian lady was implant. They had been there the whole time. Uh, good spy craft, right? Mm-hmm. And then they put in a good story about her, about the fact that her son was killed by Stalin police. And she's doing this in the name of her dead son. Um, so he, he also get, does that loop. It, I, I, that was probably my favorite little loop there because that was the only thing I didn't really expect. And it, a lot of yeah. this book felt... All right, we're we're following the pattern, and you kind of see what was going on next. But I really enjoy that that scene a, a lot. Yeah, I agree because that that was the one plot twist that you didn't see coming. No, I mean, I nobody called that. That was a a really creative problem and a really creative solution. And most this is of the other plot twists, which I mean. It, I would put this book as a solid eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. But one of my criticisms is a lot of the plot twists you 
if you know Fleming and if you know um, a little bit about 20th century history, you see them coming a mile away, but not that one. That one was very creative. Yep. I agree. And I like that one. And I I do like that. And this is where Katya finds the jig is up too. Mm -hmm. And I like which I did not expect to happen either. That was like, whoa, she was there and she saw this. (laughs) Uh Oh, yeah. Now now what? what? Now, now it's her, the ball's back in her court. Do you kill another lover? Do you, what do you do in that turmoil? And I don't think that she's ever really um, fleshed out about her. They don't really do much of her inner dialogue, but I do like that, uh, that where it goes from there. What did you think about once Katya comes in there? Um, that's, that's when the tension really, really kicks in mm-hmm. because you don't know which side she's going to take. Like I said, she's been pretty much brainwashed with Soviet propaganda her whole life from birth, especially considering who her father is. Um, But at the same time, you've got the little nuggets of uh, her move towards the West, her backstory with her ex-lover, and then, of course, uh, her love affair with Bond that kind of give you the idea that she could go the good guy route as well. Yeah. So that that's that's like a seesaw chapter and you want to keep going because you want to find out what's happening next. Yeah. And I, and I think from here on out this is where it kind of picks up and so now we've got this Rosa Club character who's who's you know still skeptical doesn't really believe in Colonel Boris as much as Colonel Boris believes in Colonel Boris. And so he sends him on this mission and then it's to kill another agent who goes by a code name bond knows the code name doesn't really know him goes meets in this desolate thing and he's told to shoot on site right bond doesn't do it bond just goes up and says all right i need you to get back there and it kind of tells what did you think about this scene that's a great scene because it, it shows once again that james bond has a line that he will not cross um mm-hmm. for queen of like he he will not take the risk of killing one of his own people in carrying out this mission of course it turns out that it's all an elaborate decoy to test his loyalty and once he discovers that it's that it's a ruse he comes up with a creative solution i mean he's able to kill the guy and then comes up with a credible story to tell to his handlers hey look the gun that you gave me misfired so I had to improvise. I threw him in front of a train, but the mission you asked me to do is done. Yeah. So not only did he keep his own cover intact, he did so in such a way as to satisfy his enemy handlers too. So that yeah. that's Bond thinking on his feet and Bond still staying true to who James Bond is. James Bond wouldn't kill one of his own. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of torn on this one because I like how, I like how it pro shows him he wouldn't kill his morals are still there and he best the so KG, one of the KGB's best assassins, right? He's, yep. he was the one that was supposed to actually take the, this first mission before Bond came back. Right. So you know that he's one of the top things. So you show Bond dominance, you show his morality. The only thing I would have liked, I think I would have liked one of the little difference. He goes in there and he figures out it's a ruse to begin with. And there's tension comes up and he says, you know what? I believe wholeheartedly this is a ruse. Because I kind of thought there's no way this is too convenient. Like that's it's kind of weird to do that, right? Yeah. So I thought I thought the it was gonna go with Bond figures out the ruse and then there's big tension build up and he pulls the trigger 
and he, he just hopes he says hopes his gut is right his intuition is right his instincts are right it shows out to be a blank and he's passed the test and he figured it out and he, and he out chest the 3d chest that he's got going on i would have probably liked that more but i also like where they went with that so either way i'm just just a preference for me but mm, yeah that scene was hit or miss for me i do think the first thing james bond would do when handed a pistol the first thing he would do would be to check his load yeah i mean that that that's spycraft 101 i mean i'm sure they they taught you that in the police academy yeah uh, you better check know and make sure your weapon is loaded <laughs> one in the chamber you... yeah exactly um so it, that that part didn't entirely ring true i know he has to he has to tell a story but um you know, J- James Bond would would check and make sure that there's a, a round in the chamber and that it's you know not a blank. That's what bothers me the most about Casino Royale the movie is that I know where you keep I know where you keep your gun. That's one thing. Yep, bro, you don't know the difference between a, a loaded bullets are heavy. They make your gun a lot heavier. <laughs> if you've ever handled a handgun, yes. it's very blatant. You can feel everything about that. You like, can feel the difference between a loaded handgun yeah. and an empty handgun, without yeah, a doubt. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least they were blanks. They weren't just the mag was gone. Right, right. Um, Even so, I, I think James Bond would have uh, would have checked his yeah, mag. Yeah, for sure. So the mission is revealed at the end with the plot, actually. As he passes the test, he goes on. He's a mission. It's to kill Nikita Khrushchev, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what What did you think about the reveal? Did you kind of know who it was going to be beforehand? Yep, I would. Yeah. I would say about a chapter or two before, I'm like, the target's Khrushchev. It's got to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, they so, they they brought him up in one of the earliest chapters uh, as having been a more, um, and I'll use this term very loosely because you're still talking about a, a soviet dictator but i mean he was one of the more liberal ones yeah uh, he, he was he, he was a jimmy carter of <laughs> yeah exactly i mean it, you're, yeah. you're you're not talking about Beria, stalin or um brezhnev you're talking about one of the one of the ones who was willing to work yeah with the west um so it, it, it's kind of clear that okay they're, they're gonna kill khrushchev and they want Bond to be the person, the patsy who did it, because it looks like mm. the Western decadent agent kills our beloved leader. We're mm. not safe, and and we can usher in, you know, a harsh military dictatorship. So that was kind of a, a, so a plot, century, plot twist that I did not um, that did not surprise me, and it, it reminded me a lot of the Manchurian Candidate. Like now we're we're into Manchurian Candidate territory. How yeah. how that scene plays out. Yeah, and it's a lot of people, a lot of movies have done the Manchurian thing, right? Yeah. And, and it, but, you know, the assassination of, of a dictator, very, very Cold War, very cool. Um, oh, yeah. There, yeah. There's there's no question that Horowitz mined some of the best Cold War fiction for this book between mm-hmm. the Manchurian candidate, the spy who came in from the cold, yep. the Ipcrest file. Um, they're all they're all here. And he even mentions the spy who came in from the cold in his acknowledgments. Yeah. I, I like to read the acknowledgments to kind of find out where he got. I, I think I got a good insight, even though it's only a couple of pages. It actually, if you're reading, if you have not read the acknowledgments, acknowledgments, and you read the book, go back and read them because it actually does give you some insight about the book. I thought it was very interesting, worth the couple pages worth of read. Agreed. Um, so he gets there, kills Bo- Colonel Boris instead of Khrushchev. 
how did you like did you kind of see that coming through and what did you think about the way they 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 had uh the time bomb in his mind right mm-hmm. they kind of made this whole build up about that time bomb in the mind and then it kind of just they it just was over with right i don't think it lived up to the hype the build up of this internal clock what did you think about the actual ending and had that had that went off was that kind of disappointing the assassination of colonel boris i mean it, like i said it was kind of like um Manchurian Candidate meets Ipcris file. I mean, at the end of the Manchurian Candidate, spoilers for if you haven't seen a movie that's 65 years old, um, a, a brainwashed assassin is able to overcome it. And instead of shooting a presidential candidate, he shoots his Russian handlers. And in the Ipcris file, the way that Michael Caine's character is able to like deprogram his brainwashing is by pain. Uh, and and that reminds him of who he is is by experiencing pain. And Bond does the same thing. I mean, yeah. he he reopens an old wound and activates his his pain sensors to remind him, like, okay, I I am James Bond. Uh, I am not under the control of Colonel Boris. I can act under my own free will. So it it made sense just based on some past Cold War fiction which with but did, did, did it leave familiar. you disappointed a little bit that it was just kind of open the wound and stay there or did you you know there wasn't any big drama to it it was very much all right here's the thing all right boom yeah i i mean as a me, reader it was kind of a letdown to me as, to me I, that yeah, was the weakest i agree part as a as a reader you know what's going to happen you know yeah. james bond is not going to kill nikita khrushchev mm-hmm. and you know he's going to turn the gun on on colonel boris and shoot colonel boris that's not a surprise um, there's there's very little tension there mm-hmm. about what Bond is going to do. So I'll, I will definitely give you that. I mean, I, I I had no fear that James Bond was going to go through with the Russian plot. I knew that he was going to do the right thing. All right. So what do you think about the the book overall? Like, what would you give it? Yeah, I heard you say eight out of ten. Is that is that how you you would you would rate this book? Yeah, I give it an eight out of 10. I really, um, I think Horowitz does a great job of capturing the Fleming bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no problem putting his protagonist in the Fleming timeline. I mean, it, he, his characterization of James Bond is exactly the same as, as Ian Fleming's. One of the, my, my complaints about it, you know, we kind of touched on how a lot of the plot twists are, um, very visible you can see them coming you know that khrushchev is the target you can figure out that katya is colonel boris's daughter uh, and then my other complaint about it is the ending it's just it's very abrupt and i feel like um i needed one more chapter i i turned the page yeah. and hit the acknowledgements page i'm like oh what happened yeah um you know, after, we didn't even touch we didn't even touch after, he's, so he's walking through Yep. He's walking through and they leave you on that cliffhanger, right? Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the cliffhanger? I mean, did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you kind of think, okay, it is what it um, is? You know what? It, it left me a little underwhelmed. I, yeah. I'm glad. I don't mind a cliffhanger ending from Russia with Love has a, has a cliffhanger ending. Usually with Bond novels, we get a little bit of a, a resolution of where Bond is at the end from Russia with love is, is pretty much the only one I can think of that doesn't have an ending like that. Yeah. Um, and that's a great book, but I, I, I really felt 
I wanted more after this was over, especially where he was mentally at the end after seeing Katya murdered and realizing what he has put himself through. And there's kind of a running theme um, that Bond has been in this game a long time. And, and the, the people who are coming up uh, are a lot younger than he is. And he, he's, he's kind of running out of uh, his, his lifespan as a, a secret agent. Yeah. So there's some, some interesting stuff to explore there. And then it ends yeah. with, with no sort of, uh, no sort of resolution. Yeah. So it's, a, it's not frustrating, but it's a little unsatisfying. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I, we just did the Fleming with film, Fleming versus film with Casino Royale. And I talked a lot about the ending when he goes through the ethical dilemma all the way in the beginning. And this book yep. went back to the same thing that I, yes. I, I love so they, much. They reference that that very scene. He even yep. says at one point, like, I should have let Mathis talk me back into <laughs> rejoining the service. So yep. what was I thinking? That was insane. Because I love that dialogue in Casino Royale, the the, uh, the novel, so much. I love the ethical... And it was so... And it, it would be exactly how you would feel, I think, if you were tasked to this life of murder spying all this other, you would have to deal with your own morality constantly and mm-hmm. i do enjoy that he brought that back and, and he harkens back and i think there's a lot of he ve- mentioned vesper he mentioned a lot of there are a lot of nods to previous flemings i don't know if it's not as much on the nose i think he does it well it's not I as agree. much like it's, it's very berries. organic it's not member berries it's very much yes yeah uh, <laughs> exactly it's very, uh, it's it's totally organic even when he brings up i mean the, this book um brings back a lot of characters general g from from russia with love um so he can, he can reference from russia with love organically yep. uh he brings back colonel boris from the man with the golden gun but even some of the the references that he makes if he mentions vesper if he mentions dr no it's done so in a way that i buy it like i yeah. i buy that james bond is thinking of dr no in this in this situation you know what i like to he, he talks about tracy and yep. um he says that you know it probably wouldn't even worked anyways because <laughs> It's so I, I funny mean, that you bring that up because when I read that, you were the first person I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, uh, Donnie's loving this paragraph because you're one of the people, and and you're not alone in saying this, who think that, especially when they read the Majesty's novel, they think that all right, Bond is marrying this woman, but that marriage is doomed from the start it's he's got to cheat on her within a year and the marriage will be over within two years and then james bond says those exact things (laughs) so you're one of those fleming readers that i thought of immediately i saw your smiling face i've been been yelling this and and i'm reading i'm reading i'm rereading on her majesty's right now actually for the Fleming versus film thing mm-hmm. that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm rereading it now. And even how they describe Tracy, Tracy's is, is, as they say, he talks about when he, what the concierge is talking to bond and he's trying to describe Tracy. And he talks about a smirk that only men would understand when she says that she's fun. Right. Mm-hmm. You can tell Tracy is just as, as, as slutty as, as bond is. And the fact that the idea that you're trying to tell me this was a great love and it was going to last and mm. as this deep impact, no, it was going to end 
it was going to end fairly abruptly and fairly poorly, just like all the other ones. So I, I do appreciate that he brings that back and he does talk about that. And yes, I was very much smiling as I read this. I, I'm sure you were. Like I said, you were the first person <laughs> I thought of when I read that sentence. Like, all right. All right, James Bond, the character, feels the same way, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was great. But I do appreciate that. I, and for me, I, I'll give it, I'll give it a seven and a half, out of eight, seven and a half, probably out of ten. I, I, I would say that I really enjoy the book. It was a quick read, and I think that's my biggest qualms. The things that bring it down for me is that it does feel too short, and I feel that it needed at least at least 70 to 80 more pages to flesh yeah. all the things out i thought it was uh, too quick of a read for something that you know we only get these once every four or five years now right right and and, and now I'm really hoping for something great when you, when you get it and the fact that i did this in you know two and a half three days yep means that it was good but also i kind of feel like it was young adult feeling and i don't yeah. know i don't mean this in a disparaging way i don't mean it to be a dick I think that it felt very um, written for young, like a teenager almost. And, and I felt like I was back in my teenage years reading a Splinter Cell book. It was very, it was very, here it is, boom, boom, boom. There's not much higher adult feeling. And the only people reading this are people, you know, in their 30s to 60s. I can't imagine young generation. Yeah, I mean, there there could be. I mean, I, I would have been the weird kid who who picked this up, but you know, thirteen, fourteen years old, because that's when I was reading all of the Raymond Benson books. Yeah, but I mean, the the vast majority of people in that age group are not rabid Bond fans yeah. like we were. Um, no, I agree with you, and I I I really found myself in a tricky situation because, like you said, we only get these every four years or so um a little bit more frequently once Horowitz took over than the films but uh still not every two years so I didn't know if I should blow through it really quickly because it's a it's a page turner I mean this is a really quick read it 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 makes you want to keep going or savor it because you know you're not going to get new bond material for a number of years and I kind of straddled the line a little bit. I could have read it faster, but life kind of got in the way, which made me enjoy it a little bit more. So I read it in five days instead mm-hmm. of, you know, two and a half. <laughs> For me, this was three cigars. So I, I went on my deck, right. smoked a cigar right. and read it. It was like, you know, 80, 90 pages of sitting, one cigar. That's, funny. That's exactly how I read it too. It was, uh, <laughs> it was cigars on the deck. That, yeah, that the is exactly how I read this book. So, you know what, that's, that's why we're friends, Kyle, because, yep. you know, men do manly shit. That's right. Yep. And, I, and then I, you know, pumped iron and, you know, <laughs> I, threw, I put some steroids in there. Yeah, right, right. Red Playboy. <laughs> uh, how do you compare it with the other two for Horowitz? Ooh, tough call, because this is right now, this is like the, the new mistress. It's the one yeah. that's fresh in my head. So right now, it, I'm I'm calling it my favorite Horowitz, but I bet you if I picked up Forever in a Day tomorrow, um, I would say that's my favorite Horowitz. And I, I I'm kind of removed from that one because I only read it the one time when it first came out, so I need to revisit it. I read Trigger Mortis last summer after we all reread Goldfinger for the Fleming Reading Challenge. I wanted to read Trigger Mortis immediately after goldfinger um 
to see how one yeah. led into the other and it actually is pretty seamless um so i would right now i would put with mind to kill as my favorite horowitz but it could be forever in a day i just need to reread forever in a day yeah for me it's forever in a day uh with a mind to a kill and trigger mortis mm-hmm. um my only problem with forever in a day and i thought it was kind of the ending felt not bond to me for some reason it felt more yeah. cold-blooded than i than i would than i picture bond being Mm. Um, that being said the whole rest of the 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 novel though i just absolutely love and i think that it brings me on more of an adventure than this does i feel like this is very much formulaic i think that i it's it feels a little more juvenile to me it does feel like a a, a 16 year old can get just as much enjoyment out of it as you know a 37 year old which is kind of disappointing to me i kind of want a little bit more substance to it because he is a grown man at this point he is right uh, he is a he should have thoughts that are far more uh his inner dialogue should be much more sophisticated than say he would be in casino royale when he's a young agent just kind mm-hmm. of a, her majesty's loyal terrier i feel like he could have definitely had more inner dialogue and much more turmoil because he is a grown man he has killed all these things he has at the end of his career it's kind of like i always say what i love about johnny cash at the end of his at the end of his musical career that you don't get with almost any other artist is that he's at the end and now he's reflecting that the end is coming right and mm-hmm. i think that that makes his albums at the end of his life so unique because those are most, good albums those american yeah. recordings are oh really they're good. so good once you get to the ricky rubin yep you look at most th- most artists that come out with things that are 18 to 32 right maybe tops they're young they're vibrant they've got all these things this is this is this could have been rick you know james bond meets rick rubin moment where he could have been at the end he could have been reflecting on death more he could have been reflecting on his time what his value was and he they kind of neglect that and i i hope i hope that he does if they ever do something after this they do have a more adult more sophisticated thoughts um, but for me that that's why but overall I love it yeah I, I really liked it too I, I don't I think Horowitz is done unfortunately is. but I would love to see him pull out one or two more because he's been yeah. really really good to to literary bond it was interesting to read the acknowledgments too that he wasn't allowed to use um, any Fleming material this one that he was in the other ones right and that he kind of looked yeah you know, this is my last time it feels like the I feel like it's probably kind of real political i think there's a lot of back things that go into becoming a uh, a fleming writer mm-hmm. or, or taking on it that's complicated um yeah but that's, that, that's they want to they want to protect the their things. their ip i understand that i mean it james bond is a very valuable uh trademark so yeah. i wouldn't Even though want gonna some, lose it soon. that's true but i wouldn't want some hack uh yeah. taking a crack at at bond novels we've we've seen some of those attempts and uh they usually don't pan out so well horowitz horowitz can can spin a good yarn so last question i'm going to ask could you ever see this is this when you see this do you see future bond film or do you see it is a novel keep it a novel uh i don't want to see it adapted verbatim for a future bond film because i i'd like bond films to be contemporary i don't want a period piece bond film Mm -hmm. and this is very very much a cold war novel um but i think some of the story elements could certainly be 
adapted into a future bond film bond being brainwashed we haven't seen that yet um we haven't seen um bonds uh bond girl well actually we we've kind of seen the bond girl being the daughter of the villain with madeline swan but not not in the same film so mr white wasn't really the villain of specter or no time to die so they could they could throw a twist at us like that or or bond going deep cover and um you know, a, a a fake assassination attempt on M, uh, being captured by the enemy, something like that, a prison break. So there are things in here I think that could be adapted, but I don't want this book to be the next Bond film. I agree. I think this is a this is a novel, a novel only. I certainly, to me, I would never want to see. It would feel very soap opera to me. When I yeah. was a kid, I, I, when I was a kid, my mom used to have me make watch soap operas. She'd have them along. <laughs> And it was Marlena gets brainwashed, all right, in Days of Our Lives. And to me, when it gets to this, I feel very daytime soap opera, mm-hmm. brainwashing. I, I just, I don't think it would transfer well to modern day audiences. I don't think it would play well. I think it would be ridiculed if um, by reviewers and, and audiences alike, if they tried to make a brainwashed Bond come in here and, and be mentoring. And I don't think it would receive well. I don't think it would, I don't think you could play it off well. Well, um, and, it, and, it, and it certainly shouldn't be the way they introduce a new Bond actor. No, um, no. I think that you, if you showed a veteran Bond that we had seen in four or five movies, uh, try and kill M after being having been brainwashed, then I would buy it. But um, that th- this is not the way to to bring in a new guy. No, I think they're gonna have to do like a, a they did in the Batman. You know, he's two years in. Yeah, you know, check out been... if you like that check out carte blanche by uh jeffrey deaver i i'm not saying that that's the story that they should adapt for for the next bond film but i think that's the direction that they need to go a james bond who's like three four years into his career uh recruited out of the military and uh and very much like in the in the prime of his abilities i'm gonna i have the book i'm gonna have to read it because i've got it i got one of those like deals where they sold a bunch of them off of Poshmark email or something like that. So I'm gonna have to pick it up and read it. So well, I tell you what, if you want to do um, if you want to do a book review episode on that one, um, I volunteer my services. <laughs> yeah. I'll reread it and we could talk about it. Absolutely, <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. I definitely want to do a lot of the 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 the, uh, the novels. I think that I'm gonna, you know, I'll I'm going back and forth between the books too, but I'm in the films too. But really, I, I don't want to do film reviews because I think too, they're, they're overdone. I think sure, yeah. I definitely want to. I definitely want to stay in there. So carte blanche is yours. I'll do as many of these as you know possible because they're just fun to do. Um, yeah. But and then again, we are getting into the 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 real sick people, right? Right, right. Now, <laughs> yeah. People. Now you're getting into like some yeah. deep, deep dark Bond fandom. Some people, some people who really need, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, but it's also the same people who are reaching out because you can't find other people to talk about this. Like, right. If it wasn't for this community. I wouldn't be able to go out and find somebody in my neighborhood that I could talk about carte blanche. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, you it, know what I mean? Like it could it, be it, worse. Very, this, is what, yeah. this is what we're doing. We are taking care of our appearances, wearing good clothes and, and grooming and, and bathing and everything. 
and we were talking about books so yeah. it's not like uh you know we're out doing drugs or anything we're actually like stimulating our minds First, and our bodies well so. maybe maybe we're, maybe we're doing a little bit of drugs no but thank you so much Kyle, for doing this has always been a blast and i, and I think we i fun. think we did i think we did this i think we did this novel justice gave it a fair review and yep. i and i think we both agree that look for what it is I enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend anybody read it. It's I, I would too. I would I would recommend people read this. However, I would recommend that read it after you're familiar with Fleming, um, yeah. because I, there's a there's a lot in Fleming in this, and it's a much richer experience uh, reading this having read Fleming first. Yeah, even like they have footnotes. You know, read Diamonds Are Forever and yep. they talk about something. When you're there, you already know what they're talking about, and you can be like, all right, I understand. I understand what he's, his memory is going back to because I remember that. So I thought that was cool. So for sure, read Fleming first as, as always. Why aren't you reading Fleming? Get, get right. your Fleming on right now. Um, but yeah, but there's, a, but there's a big world out there. If, uh, if you want to become like one of us, there's a lot to do. There's, Keep reading. Yeah, exactly. There's so much. And even the rereads of Fleming. I've, I've now read some of these books three, four times. I've, I've read them and I've heard them on audiobook and um they're just they're so enjoyable every time they never get bad yep so great so kyle thank you for having me on or have thanks for having me on yeah thanks buddy yeah. <laughs> thanks for coming on buddy uh it's one o'clock in the morning it's it's <laughs> i i understand thank you for having me back it's always a pleasure talking to you about bond and we'll do this many more times buddy until next That's time good. it's been quantum history this has been the review of anthony horowitz's forever or with the mind to a kill <laughs> 1 a.m to a kill <laughs> mind to a kill thank now you so available in all fine books <laughs> all right signing off <laughs> all right buddy if you like what you saw then hit that subscribe button comment down below and leave a like and then and hit that subscribe button why are you not hitting that subscribe button?